Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. At the age of 14, Iris Pham moved from her bustling home in Hong Kong to the relative somnambulance of rural life in Toowoomba. For a teenage girl who had only known the pace of the round-the-clock vibrancy of life in Hong Kong, it's hard to think of a move that could have been more of a culture shock than coming to the conservative capital of Queensland's Darling Downs. What's more, Iris made that move on her own, having to abruptly adjust to a totally foreign experience with multiple homestay families in Australia. Iris had gone through a number of mental health issues prior to the move and was really feeling the strain of living in a society that placed so much expectation and pressure on even its younger citizens to succeed. Yet she feels that all of those experiences, both good and bad, have contributed to her growth as a person in some way. After a challenging start in Australia, Iris began to find her way, ultimately settling on the Gold Coast, where she's now studying psychology at Bond University. Iris has become so taken by her new home that she says it's the best place to study and now describes herself as a salesperson for the Gold Coast. In our conversation, we explore the nature of psychology, why Iris has a burning desire to help others, and how she ensures her own mental health stays in check as she deals with the emotional issues of her clients. Iris, welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine, a Mayor's Student Ambassador. You've had quite a journey. You're originally from Hong Kong? Yes, I'm originally from Hong Kong and I moved um, to Australia 10 years ago, 2013. I was only 14 at the time. Decided to move out of the comfort zone and Try something new. Now, I've never been to Hong Kong, but I've always uh, visualised it as a very exotic place. What was it like coming from Hong Kong? Australia might have seemed exotic to you, yeah. as it was something totally <laughs> different, or maybe not. I want to know what it was like for you as an impressionable 14-year-old coming here, what that was like. So interestingly, out of all the cities in Australia, my mum chose Toowoomba, which is two and a half hour drive from here. And you're going, to where? Yeah. I was like, really? But as a 14-year-old self, I was obviously quite shocked with how quiet the streets were like during the day as well as night, because yeah. obviously in Hong Kong, everything becomes vibrant at night. But there's, there's so much density in Hong Kong, jamming so many people into a very confined space. Yeah. Toowoomba is sleepy down. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, yeah. there's a lot of space, a lot of room to move. A so that greenery. would have been such a culture shock for you. Yeah, it was. It was. Like, even just seeing a lot of trees and, like, <laughs> grass and cows, horses. Um, Not to mention the kangaroos and all the <laughs> native wildlife. Yeah. yeah, so it was definitely a just a massive shift. There was no like slowly getting to know <laughs> a new city or anything like that. So yeah, at the start, it was definitely quite difficult learning how to live with Australian families, eating new food and trying out new activities that would never like even think of. Okay, but hang on, you're with your mum, but you're living with Australian families. Yeah, no, mum didn't come with me. So oh. yeah, I just came on my own. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, why Toowoomba? And why did you come on your own? 
Um, long story short, I was not doing very well mentally with academic pressure and、um, just family relationships and just classic teenage、um, okay. kind were, of. Were you、um, a troubled teen? <laughs> were you? I wouldn't say I was troubled, but <laughs> I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did、um, you get up to mischief?、Uh, I came to Toowoomba instead. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a nice little saving grace. Is that why she chose to walk? Because it was so quiet.、Um, it was to learn English. Yeah, but you can、start. learn English anywhere、yeah. in Australia. You don't have to go to Toowoomba. What was wrong with Brisbane or Sydney? <laughs> yeah, well, Mum had this impression that other cities just have lots of people from Hong Kong or just Chinese students that might not be as beneficial in like trying a whole new. <laughs> Lifestyle, so yeah, she she did come with me to help me settle in to my new host family, but、um, yeah, she left not long after, and she was free from me. How did you feel about that? Were you a bit angry with your mum, or I was quite excited to leave at that point in Hong Kong. I had a really good like social circle, but I knew that it wasn't right for me and my passion and my values, so. I was given the opportunity to come, so I was like, "Yeah, you're happy to do that."、Okay. Yeah, but obviously, on the flip side, it's like a lot of adjustment and、um, you know, regrets and、oh, <laughs> uncertainty. Okay. Yeah, I bet. Let's go backwards and just tell me about what your life was like growing up in Hong Kong. As I said, I've never been,、mm. so tell me what it was like. Growing up, it was. Pretty fulfilled, I would say.、Um, I was given a lot of chances to explore my interests and kind of maximize my talents. Like、um, I knew what I was kind of good at, and then I was driven to kind of achieve. So I think being in a city where it's competitive, it's important to like know what you are and know what you're good at, and kind of work hard to do those things. So, what were you good at? I honestly don't even like know what I was like good at. So I was just working really hard. I feel like everything that I put my heart to it, I kind of excel. Like say if I wanted, I was learning piano, and then I had to get really good at it. And I was learning dance, and I was getting really good at it. So it's all all these like activities that were given to us, and we get to try them out. Would you describe yourself as a perfectionist? I wouldn't say perfectionist, but I would say a little bit of an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> and did that result in self-imposed pressure from setting the bar high for your own expectations of yourself? Yeah, I would say so. And also, the academic system in Hong Kong is quite different. I remember that our grades and our scores are all publicly ranked, like on a board. So that's like. A lot. That's hard, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So from a very young age, I think that there is this pressure that well, you don't want to be at the bottom of the list. I can imagine that could be really damaging psychologically for a lot of students there. Yeah, for sure, and for everyone else, it's just standard practice. It's just there's no alternative ways in learning. So yeah, I felt quite restricted as well. So in that sense, you were relieved to be able to leave. Yeah. So even though I was given, you know, all these opportunities to try out hobbies and interests and stuff, I feel like, like it's doing it for a reason. Like we're doing it to excel. We're not doing it to enjoy it, which it was like lacking a lot in my life. 
You said that your mum was free of you once she <laughs> left you in Toowoomba. Does that suggest that you don't have a particularly close relationship with your mum? Or No, we, we all have a really good relationship now. I've always had good relationship with them. I just felt that I was not quite fitting in in a society that has such high pressure on young people. My mum was a businesswoman while I was growing up, but when my sister was born, she completely changed her career and became a social worker. So, um, yeah, I'm heavily influenced by her now with um, my profession and my career, my learning, my life. So everything that we've experienced, I think it's productive and um, I'm grateful for all these times. What about your sister? Is she still in Hong Kong or is she here or where is she? Yeah, she moved here from Hong Kong last year. Um, she's at Southern Cross now doing early childhood learning. Okay, so you're both on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. one at Bond, one at Southern Cross. Yeah. Okay, do you like do you share a house together? Or yeah, we live together now. So we've lived apart for 10 years, obviously, for my time here. She wasn't very interested in coming, but I think... As a salesperson for the coast, <laughs> I fully sold. Um, and yeah, mum and dad come visit us. They try to do it annually. And yeah, it's really good now. I'm trying to convince them. Were you selling your sister on the idea of the Gold Coast because you really love the Gold Coast or because you'd really missed your sister and you wanted the chance to reconnect with her? Um, or both? I would say a bit of both. And also, I just think that this is the best place to be to study to find out who you are. Well, better than Toowoomba. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, And just having the opportunity to find yourself. For me, it's important to have that space to determine what you want to do, who you want to be. You felt like you've really found yourself on the Gold Coast. I think so. Why? What happened here that didn't happen elsewhere? What happened here... I think it's just a connection towards the community, to myself and the nature, the people, really. It's the people that I've met along the way when I live here. One person leads to the other and it just opens to all these random kind of, I guess, like little adventures that I do throughout my weeks to kind of align with my passion. I'm intrigued by the idea of random little adventures. What do they look like? It's pretty random. (laughs) (laughs) Well, give me some examples. I'm intrigued. Like, I would never think that I'm volunteering for um, Global Shapers, which is quite passionate about climate change and environmental science. I know nothing about it (laughs) to begin with. And, but I was like, well, I'm interested in learning sustainability and how we can make this planet better. So, yeah, I'm going to just Google. And there's always going to be some (laughs) initiatives that pop up around here that aligns with what you're interested in. So I was like, okay. And then I applied and then I just started learning about waste management and all these things that, yeah, it's just completely separate to my field. And here you are. In fact, you were just dropping off some recycling (laughs) outside the studio before you came in here. I had to ask you, you actually apologised for it. I said, don't apologise for helping to save the planet. It's fine. (laughs) No, it's just like, yeah, having random things in the car and like I've been carrying those trash for two weeks now. (laughs) Oh, okay. I hope it didn't stink out your car too much. (laughs) So, yeah. 
If I can backtrack a little bit because I asked you what it was about the Gold Coast that helped you find yourself. Mm -hmm. But there is a chapter in between Toowoomba and here. You actually also studied in Brisbane. Yeah, I did. So what did you study in Brisbane? I did my undergrad in psychology, so Mm. Bachelor of Psychological Science for four years. But I decided not to move there because I wanted to make the coast my home. So I just commuted and luckily COVID hit. (laughs) That's not a phrase you hear too often. Luckily COVID hit. (laughs) And I could just still work on the coast and Zoom the rest of my uni. Okay, so I see. So you'd actually already moved here but while you were still finishing your undergraduate degree. Yeah. Right. We were lucky enough that mum and dad bought a little apartment at Surface to kind of see whether we want to stay and I did. So they so. basically set you and your sister up yeah. your, your own little pad Yeah. Surface Paradise. Wow, is it near the beach? Yeah, it oh, is. nice. Yeah, it was yeah. their holiday home and they were going to rent it out but I decided to stay anyway. Yeah, yeah no wonder you love the Gold Coast so much. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Brisbane's only just up the road. What's so different about Brisbane to the Gold Coast? Everything. <laughs> the smell, I, I think. That's a new one. Now I'm really intrigued. The smell. What's the difference in the smell from Brisbane to the Gold Coast? I think the air here is oh, like... Oh, the salt air, the salt yeah, air, the sea air. It's just like beneficial for like my mental health. You talk about that a lot, don't you? Yeah. Your mental health. I do. I'm really passionate about well-being and proactive measures to prevent any challenges. <laughs> Is it what drew you to psychology because you'd experienced your own mental health issues when you were younger? Um, yeah, and I feel like I've always been quite caring and have a soft spot for people's stories. I really love listening to people and learning what they have been through. I think that's a powerful tool and I think that is pretty much why I'm doing what I'm doing now. It's an interesting field, psychology. I can't work out whether it's the idea that you're psychoanalyzing everyone (laughs) whenever they're talking to you and whether that makes people feel uncomfortable, say, in a social environment or whether there's some kind of voyeuristic sense of like this, that idea that you're tapping into some really personal thoughts and experiences that people are sharing and opening up about with you. Yeah, it's the vulnerability that connects people and find their own like-minded circle, I guess. Like, there's always going to be people that you get along better with um, in a social setting and in a workplace or in just in life and learning your triggers and learning what you like is more psychology, all parts of life. Is it what you thought it would be? I know some people sign up for a degree and it's like, this wasn't what I thought. Mm. Um, you're now doing your master's, so clearly you, you feel like you're in the right space, you're in the right field. But when you first signed up to study your undergraduate degree, did you think, oh, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be? I think as all psych students, if they're listening to this, they would realise that no one tells you how much maths you have to do, how much stats. Yeah, really? There's a lot of stats. Is there? In psychology. What Um, kind of stats are you looking at? Just like data of is smoking going to cause cancer or is it correlated to this (sighs) and then that. And it's a lot of analysis on numbers 
which I don't think ever anyone talks about it overly. No, but. that's interesting. Now that you've said it, I can understand why you would study that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, you do it every year. It's inevitable. Right. Okay. <laughs> Until you get into your masters, it's get better. So you've got to be a bit of a data nerd if you want to be a psychologist. Yeah. Well, you you do have to open that side of your brain. I think sometimes we view psychology as quite an art or um I don't know everyone has different perspective towards the study of psychology but yeah no one really realized how much analysis and um, maths go behind it. Psychology is your area of interest and soon to be your profession. Four years undergraduate in Brisbane now you're doing a master's of clinical psychology at Bond mm. so how many years all up until you're fully qualified? Because I know there's a lot that you've got to go through before you can practice, if that's what you're yeah. aiming to do. So I still have one more year of placement. And after that, you still have to go through a clinical registrar program, which is another two years. So, wow. so how many years all up? It's eight after the registrar. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't know about dealing with other people's, you know, crazy ideas, but that's nuts. Eight years. Yeah. Is it worth it? Some days. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> what about on the days that it isn't? What's your thought process then? Why am I doing this? Yeah, like sometimes I guess a lot of students might also feel this way too. We doubt ourselves in whether we're actually suitable for the field and – um find ourselves in positions of, oh, maybe other things interest us too. <laughs> Let's try them out. <laughs> but yeah, most of the time it's all right. <laughs> well, it's human nature to doubt ourselves. Very few people are just brimming with so much confidence that they'd never even question their motives or who they are. But given the nature of what you're studying, it'd almost be prescriptive that you're going to analyse yourself. Yeah, That can do your head in. It's a lot of introspection work I would say and in full honesty psychology in this society is can be deemed quite negative no one sees a psychologist when they're in a good mood (laughs) (laughs) you only see them when you're not doing so well that's right so to manage that as a profession that's a lot a lot of emotional baggage a lot so it's very important that I engage in things to balance it out. So have some positivity and proactive measures on like mental well-being, mental health, instead of just focus on the psychology of mental illness. So that's part of the training, to strengthen your own capability in terms of being able to handle other people's issues. Definitely. You have your own issues and you have to manage other people's <laughs> issues. <laughs> it's okay. very important. All right. Yeah. The Gold Coast is an interesting place to be practicing psychology. You've said that you love it here. You feel that you're in the right place. Mm-hmm. This is where you want to be. I think you called it your forever home. I do. Yeah. Now so, I can't leave. Really? Why can't you leave? Because <laughs> I called it my forever home. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you feel so strongly about that? To the coast? Yeah. Um, it's not just the smell. I know that. It's more than that. I think I'm pretty confident to say that I love my life and... I do. I love where I live. I love who I meet. I love where I work sometimes. (laughs) I love some suburbs, most suburbs. And just the environment that 
can really equip me into being a better sense of me, balancing both the positive and negative sides of life. So I think it's perfect. Okay. Well, the, as I said, the Gold Coast is an interesting place to be a practicing psychologist because it's such a relaxed lifestyle and so many, particularly international students who I speak to on this podcast, and they just say, oh, I love the lifestyle. I love that everyone's so chilled out. Everyone seems to have the perfect work-life balance. No one's stressed out here. The climate is perfect. You know, they talk about all of these things, right? Mm. So I'm thinking... You're not going to have a lot of work here as a psychologist. (laughs) Everyone's Mm. pretty chilled, having a good time. But then there's the other side of the Gold Coast, the side of people that are kind of caught up in that very, um, let's just say, (laughs) there's an aspect of the Gold Coast where people are buying a dream, if you like, which could come crashing down if it's about your idea of wealth or living the dream life. But it might not be a Mm. real thing. It might be an aspirational thing. But perhaps if it's tied into money or whatever, that becomes something very different. Mm. That's interesting because as a profession, I guess, my exposure of people that I work with is the homeless community, drugs and alcohol. These kind of issues and this type of population can be found in any city. Of course. It can be found in any town. So for me, yes, it may seem that everything's perfect. Um, there's a, the smell is really nice. <laughs> um, and it's beautiful with the ocean just being so close to here, but there are still many social issues that requires help and assistance. And I love working with those people. And I look forward every day to see them alive and well and go to work. Where are you working? Are you working with social welfare groups? or? I work at a after-hours safe space. So it's a drop-in hub for anyone who feels like they need someone to talk to or just somewhere to have a coffee and chill. It's at Southport Health Precinct and it opens from 6 till 9 on the weekday. So... Yeah, I love going there. Okay. 6am to 9pm? 6pm till 9pm. Oh. Only three hours. Why night. that window? Why that time? Because everything is shut at five. And we find that a lot of clients need some help from six till nine before they go to a hospital. So a lot of my work is to determine whether they need hospital help oh. or um, further assistance. But a lot of time people, if they can get through that, night time of isolation have someone to talk to um, get them out of their you know their thoughts and their emotions a lot of time they feel better and they just go home and tomorrow's a better day as you said look you can find homeless people in any city any town and the gold coast has its fair share when i've encountered people in that situation here you do wonder is it financial hardship is it mental health issues, is it drug dependency, you know. You wonder how people end up in that situation. Not being judgmental, but just trying to think how you can help them. And maybe some people don't want to be helped. Maybe they want to live outside of what they see as the construct of society itself, that they don't want to be a part of that. So how do you manage that with people, for for one, if they don't want to be helped or if they are having extreme mental health issues? How do you manage that? It's challenging for um, health workers who might not 
ever experience at risk of homelessness to help people in those situations. But a lot of the time, they just need someone to listen to them. Like they just (laughs) need to vent really. And honestly, a lot of time, maybe I helped, maybe I didn't, but I just did my best with what I had. So that's all I can wish for. If they are open to more help, that's great, but you can never force help on other people as well. For those that have got issues in drug dependency, it could be a very dangerous environment. How do you manage that? It's interesting because um, drug dependency, like substance use, is such an interesting topic with what they use, when they use, the combination of use and where they're at with the usage. So I feel mostly safe when people have used but it's the coming down of the usage can be dangerous for people when they're on the streets when they're like highly triggered and um, just aggressive but a lot of time if you don't go trigger them they won't go out their way to be aggressive to other people they live in their little world um, when they're going through phases like that I started out my like my thesis was on um, alcohol consumption and Um, I started a lot of work with um, the alcohol and drug space and I find rehab pretty interesting. I find like the community groups like AAs and NAs, it's everywhere. Um, There's a lot in Southport. There's all these services and community out there to support people going through these difficulties. And yeah, I think that for a city like for us, we're very lucky to have these services to help us out, to navigate and help these people, even maybe sometimes they don't even want help, like you said. You've founded an organisation called Awaiting Cove. Can you Mm. tell me about that? What is that? So I wouldn't say it's an organisation. Oh, okay. (laughs) But (laughs) I would say that it's just something that is my passion. I created it because I felt that My line of work was quite heavy. I needed the balance and I can't get it anywhere else if I don't cultivate it and invite it into my life. So I decided to start this little initiative and slowly building a community around it. I run a free women's walking group every Tuesday and we just walk on the beach, we journal together, we talk light topics. We paint, we sometimes meditate, we go for a dip. So it's a bit more like lighthearted, but also doing things for like our self-care and connection. Right. So Um, this is a result of that self-care, that mechanism, that defense mechanism that you've taught in your studies. So what walks of life are these women coming from? Are they other psychologists or are they from different fields or who are they? I found that these are um, girls who feel isolated when they move to the coast. I get a lot of women interested in the group as they have probably outgrew their high school friends on the coast or if they've moved here from Melbourne. That's a big one. There's a lot of girls from Melbourne and Sydney um, since COVID. Yeah, Um, and they feel alienated or they haven't quite connected locally? Yeah, they haven't been able to make any friends it could be they work in a pretty casual job or if they are studying but they're not really 
quite connected with the TAFE or uni kind of lifestyle. So I find that that's like the most of the population um, of people who come and also women who probably experience some changes in their lives. So like maybe women who've just fell pregnant. So like adding on becoming a mum or a woman who's been through a breakup, kind of like situational kind of distress they needed, um, just want to be outside and don't want to think about it. So that's kind of the people who come and people just come and go. I don't keep track of what they're up to or anything like that. It's so a, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fairly loose arrangement. So it's just yeah. once a week and anyone can come. Yeah, and it's all free and it's with Active and Healthy Lifestyle. So part of the city's program? Yeah. Okay. It is. So that's how they find you through that program? So um, one of the women who came to my group did a placement with um, the team, Active and Healthy Lifestyle, and she suggested that it would be a beautiful initiative. And I was like, that's great. So (laughs) yeah, we just did that. And she was able to connect me and kind of get the ball rolling. But Yes, the opportunity just arises and (laughs) random (laughs) initiatives just get done. I'm like, yeah, this is crazy and random to think about. (laughs) Yeah. And in your capacity in Awaiting Cove, you're not there to offer psychological help. It's purely just about the experience. So do they know that you're a psychologist or they just know that you kind of facilitate this program effectively? Well, they just know that. I, I always tell them that I'm still a student who's passionate about mental health and if they want to know more they they ask questions but I don't go out my way to do any like clinical work or anything like that for my mornings we keep it chill (laughs) (laughs) but it's a wonderful thing to do and I can see how it would be very personally rewarding knowing that you are helping people that way and but in a very different way from your clinical work. Yeah, very different. But essentially still having the same outcome. It's yeah. like two sides of the coin. Yeah, which is the positive and negative The yin balance. and the yang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to enjoy living here without one or the other, I think. So it's, when I say perfect, that's why it is. <laughs> ah, okay. You said that your mum is a social worker. She had a career change as a businesswoman to become a social worker. That mm-hmm. She inspired you to follow this path yeah is she proud of you what you're doing you Surely. talk about that <laughs> oh you haven't even had that conversation nah. i think they're pretty proud my um parents are very supportive with what i do and i'm blessed to have this opportunity not everyone gets given them to give back and help people as much as I can. You've also joined the Mayor Student Ambassador Program this year as a student from Bond University. So you've got a lot on your plate. You're studying, you're running a waiting cove, you're working as a, a, do we say trainee psychologist? How do we explain this? Because you... It's like a clinician kind of role. A clinician, but yeah, working in the field. And then you've signed up for the Mayor Student Ambassador Program, which takes a a substantial commitment of your time. Why did you do that? What was the appeal in doing that? In full honesty, because this is my last year of studying, I have to apply for it. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to regret it. Oh, you'll miss out. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I have always been quite intrigued with the concept of volunteering. 
I love volunteering. That's why I'm involved in all these <laughs> random things. And I think that MSA is more than just volunteering. It's a representation in promotion of what you love. So I'm like, wow, I do that. Yes, while I'm volunteering for different NGOs, different charities, but this is personal. This is more an opportunity to go deeper within yourself as well. So I wanted to apply for it. And I was like, look, if I don't get in, it's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, it's my last year of studying. <laughs> I can see that it's personal, yes, but it's also about the experience, isn't yeah. it? It's very different to volunteer. Well, you get a great rewarding experience from volunteering for sure, but this is very much for you. Yeah. 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 But also a chance to give something back to the city you love as an ambassador. Yeah. That's nice. How did you hear about the program? I was volunteering for different organizations. There you are again. Yeah. And <laughs> you then do a lot of that. I was like just Googling different opportunities for students and I saw it and then I volunteered at the event of study. I think it was the festival last year at Broadwater. Oh, the student fair? Yeah, student fair. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just gave it a go with some other Bondies. And I thought it was a nice community. Yeah, Um, you connected with some of the ambassadors that were volunteering there. Uh, I met a few just briefly. I watched them from afar having fun. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. So, yeah, I became curious and um, kind of learned more about the hub and the other programs and the awards that you guys do. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. Mm. And has it been a good experience for you? Yeah, it's been, what's the word that I was thinking of? It's very special. Um, it's, I don't think I've ever had any opportunities like this before. So for me, it's very special. And I'm grateful that I've met a lot of good friends along the way. That's definitely a plus. Obviously, I did think that it's a tight-knit kind of community. You would find your people. But, yeah, I've just built quite good connections with some of the other MSAs and trying new things with each other because we all come from different background, yeah. which is so cool. It draws a certain kind of student mm-hmm. and I think says a lot about who you are. Do you think that it's changed you in any way or is it more just about the friendships that you've made. I know you've connected with a few of them in particular. Mm. For me, it highlighted the importance of networking. I always valued networking, but to actually experience it and be invited to all these fairs and um, events and opportunities exclusively, (laughs) it's quite life-changing. And yeah, it does shift a little bit on how I present myself and how I speak with potential important people in the room. <laughs> I do you, really value that. Yeah, you feel like you found your tribe? I feel that I find my tribe, but also I know that even within another field, I know someone in that field who could potentially be beneficial maybe for the next person that I meet. So it's just that, that connection that I can kind of contribute back. Linking different tribes together. I really like that. Nice. Tell me, what does the future hold for you then, Iris? Are you going to set up your own clinic or do you see yourself working more in welfare as you are now? Um, I would love to continue at Waiting Cove. I'd like to put some 
time aside to learn about marketing and kind of promote some of the products that I've created. Um, I've connected with a lot of local artists to make those products. So kind of just getting them out there. What sort of products? Um, so they're all about mental health and yeah. well-being. So yeah. there's like stress dice balls and like um, puzzles, shirts, tote bags, different little things like that. I guess my, my strengths was the ideas and the making them, but my weakness and downfall is like actually getting them out there <laughs> and promoting them. Yeah. Um, which is completely new avenue for me, learning that. Doing my placement with Queensland Health in September, so we'll see how I go with the public sector. In the hospital system? Um, I'm going to be at Child Youth Mental Health. It will still be at the health precinct. It will be pretty cool, hopefully, but intense. A very specific area when you're dealing with child mental health issues. From someone who's had their own, do you think you'll be drawing on your own experience? Yeah, I I think that it's a lot of um, compassion and meeting them where they're at. Children is very interesting and it takes a lot to be able to connect with them on their level as well. So I'm keen to learn. (laughs) Should be a great experience. Yeah. Mm. As for the marketing, well, maybe you just haven't met the right person yet to leverage those opportunities and maybe the Mayor Student Ambassador Program might provide a connection there somewhere. Yeah, I'm really excited to um, expand on that and kind of, I guess, consolidate who I am and um, having this balance continue along my studies and work and other activities. (laughs) Well, Iris, I wish you the best, all the best. Congratulations on making it as a Mayor Student Ambassador in your final year as a Master's student of clinical psychology at Bond. Thank you for giving back so much to the Gold Coast community. You're doing an amazing job. Should be very proud of your achievements. Thank you. <laughs> Iris Pham, quite an extraordinary young woman and one who's so giving to others. Don't forget, you'll find all the episodes in this series at www.studygoldcoast.org.au slash podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time for Tomorrow is Mine.